In a small town whose boyhood culture stemmed largely from disorganized schoolyard sports, the athletically inept were ripe for rejection, peeled away indiscriminately like patches of molted skin. Brigham Miller seemed to be the exclusive exception to the rule. He wasn't particularly interested in sports, hindered in part by a bad knee. He was gangly with the faintest hint of a mustache, and like me, his economic status was less than pristine. Yet people found him so likable, so charming, that they chose to overlook these deficiencies just to be around him. It was baffling, and it gave many of us lesser beings hope. Indeed, Brigham was the envy of every flaccid nerd and geek in school. He hadn't merely sidestepped the cruelty of juvenile ridicule. The very paradigm that kept most of us on the sidelines of life had parted like the Red Sea to grant him passage. Physical limitations aside, Brigham simply didn't have the attention span for sports. He wasn't much fun on the baseball field, that's for sure. He was so slow. I never told him so, but he threw like a little girl, and I had literally seen neighborhood toddlers do better at the plate. Brigham was just too preoccupied to keep his eye on the ball. He had a future to plan, I guess, and donning a baseball glove was something he tolerated more than enjoyed. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if either of us was a millstone around the other's neck, it was certainly me. The fact that Brigham humored my interest in sports at all said something about his character. And if Brigham had been my only friend, I would have considered myself very fortunate. But he wasn't my only friend. There was also Jeremy Isles. A year older than me, Jeremy was a short, fat Cherokee with wire-framed glasses and a smell about him that most didn't linger to identify. My mom told me once that she thought it was bug spray, considering that his father was an exterminator. If she was right, Mr. Isles needed to consider a different insecticide. Not only did the acrid fumes of his profession follow his son to school, which was a form of social cruelty in my opinion, I personally was never any less lice-prone for enduring their second-hand miasma. Most of the time this was all bearable, though eating lunch with Jeremy was always a challenge. What Jeremy lacked in odor control, he more than made up for in intelligence. His IQ was off the charts. Our age difference prevented us from sharing classes, but it was no secret who set the curve in his grade. He breezed through exams with no real thought, absorbed the content of lectures without taking notes. At once, he was every teacher's dream and nightmare. He must have kept them on their toes. I've known my fair share of smart people. Most have managed to rub me the wrong way, flexing those mental muscles at my expense. Jeremy was better than that. He didn't think any less of his intellectual inferiors. That, or he just hid his snootiness well, and I found that to be incredibly endearing. He wasn't just book smart, either. He internalized things at a glance that experience alone should teach. And he remembered everything. Since Jeremy lived across town, he rode the bus home from school. I walked. For many years, our friendship was defined by this hemmed in by the literal and figurative fences of the public school system, which was our only real common ground. Though we never dug deep, we were content to be buddies. He helped me with homework, 
I drew pictures for him to hang in his locker. It was an unpretentious arrangement, with little lost or gained. In contrast, Brigham and I were inseparable. We were blood brothers of Lakeview Park, a misnomered quasi-ghetto with no notable view, and certainly no lake. The place was an untidy smudge on the shiny belt buckle of Shawnee's old downtown district. Some called it a trailer park, as if the tin-can mobile homes therein got to go home after a day of frolicking in the sun and eating popsicles by the community barbecue grill. Others called it a trash heap. I won't tell you how that felt, considering what it said about those of us who lived there. Brigham once called it the place where dreams come to die, and that assessment has never left me, because for many years, the truth I've experienced...